Capital Area Pregnancy Center, which I'm the executive director. Again, my name is John Schaefer. But you've been associated with us for over a decade. I've been doing my job. I'm in my, I guess I'm in my 16th year, and you've been supporting us all those years. And you're not just, well, I call you a James 1 church. James says, don't be hearers of the word only, but be doers of the word. You guys are doers. I mean, you just don't say you support us. You support us in prayer. You support us financially. We're those baby bottle people, okay? And so you have, over the years, really demonstrated that you do what God says, just not hear what he says. Um, as a matter of fact, last year, those little baby bottles, and I see some are already back, those little baby bottles from just this church totaled to over $700. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And I get really excited because I'm responsible for paying the bills. So, yeah, I love it when I see money coming in. That, that's a big thing. But I have to admit, the real joy comes in seeing what God does when we spend the money. We just don't have the money come in and let it sit in the bank account. When we spend it, we see young ladies, their lives being changed. We see babies being born. We see families being restored. Those that have suffered from abortion and now have the consequences we see them restored to God. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. So thank you. It's a pleasure to be here for that. I also want to point out, if you didn't get one, feel free to get up and walk back uh, and get one. But there are outlines for what we're going to talk about today. And I have those there for you. I, I find that outlines or notes kind of help me out. I can, off the top of my head, I can think of three things that, that are really good about having them. My prayer is that something will be said today that will impact your life. That God will take his word through my voice and something will be changed in your life. And sometimes when you write things down, you remember them better. If you have it, you can go back to it uh, you know, tomorrow, a week from now, a month from now, and you can be reminded. So I'm hoping that's what it is. That's a good thing for now. And a second thing, if the speaker happens to be boring, you can see where he's at. And you say, oh good, two more points. Maybe we can beat the Baptist to the restaurant this week, all right? So maybe that'll be why the outline's good. The third reason why the outline could be really good is if the speaker is really, really boring. You have a piece of paper you can doodle on. And everybody will think how spiritual you are. Look how much they're writing down. And you're just drawing pictures. But no, I, ho I hope there's a benefit to, to what we say today. If you'll notice, the title of the message isn't why go to church. It's why even go to church. Okay, why even go to church? And you don't really know me. So let me just tell you a little bit about me. I'm 66 years old. Yeah, I know I don't look it, right? But I'm 66 years old. I've been going to church for 67 years. I'm serious. When my mom was pregnant, I was in church. Now, see, some of you might not have that experience. You might be more new to the whole thing. But I'm one of those kids that grew up in the church. And I knew all the right answers because I went all to Sunday school. I'm old. We had flannel graph. How many people remember or even know what flannel graph is? Okay. You guys are old, too. <laughs> oh, it was so cool when you, you got to go up and put the piece of flannel graph up there. That was a privilege. But I've been in church, and, and there were times I had real high times at church, and then there were really low times. When I was a high school student, I used to think, why am I going to church? And I was so, so I could tell you how many light bulbs were in the sanctuary. Now you had a, you'd have a little tougher time. 
Our roof was very similar to yours. Now, it wasn't as vaulted as yours, but it had the individual planks. I knew how many planks were in the ceiling. We had a cinder block front wall. I knew how many blocks were in the front wall. I mean, sometimes I think, oh, why am I... And my mom, my mom was the East Coast distributor of guilt. She was really good. Um, mom, I don't feel good today. I don't think I should go to church. I don't want to get anybody sick. And she'd say, well, that's between you and the Lord. Oh, all right, I'll go. Um, why even go to church? I mean, we didn't even tell you guys I was coming today because it, it would have been a really good excuse. Oh, pastor's not there. I don't want to hear somebody else. You know, I'm not going. Well, we're going to look today and see why you should even go to church. Now, you say, well, why are you talking to us about that? We're here. Yeah, some of you may be here, and some of you may be really glad that you're here. Others, you're like me. Oh, all right. I'm there. I'll be there. Hmm. We're going to look, if you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. Let's read it, and then we'll have a word of prayer. Proverbs chapter 2, the, the, psalm, uh, the writer is saying, My son, if, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He holds victory in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you, and understanding will guard you. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse. Father, thank you for your word. Father, I ask that the Spirit would have free reign today, that it will be your word and your thoughts, not mine. And that we will walk out of here having a better understanding of who you are and, and what you want from us and what you'll do for us. And that we can serve you better. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Why even go to church? Well, did you notice I emphasized a few words as I was reading? I emphasized the word if and then. This passage tells you to do something and if you do it, something will happen. Do this, then this will happen. All right? So let's look at that real quick. Verse 1, if you accept my words, okay, if you accept them, if you hear them, right now, hopefully, you're accepting what I'm saying. Number Also in verse 1, store up my commands. So just don't accept them, receive them, but store them up. We're in a part of the country where we, my family, we haven't done it because of COVID, but before COVID, what we used to do is every fall, 
we would get together. My sister has a farm down in the, the Dover area. And in August, maybe, uh, we'd get there, and the whole family would come. I mean, everybody, from the littlest babes all the way up to the grandmoms and granddads. And what we would do is all the guys would get in the, uh, go out into the field. Some would ride in the pickup truck, the rest would walk. We'd go out, and we'd pick, oh, my, maybe 60 to 80 dozen years of corn. And we'd just fill up the back of the pickup truck. We'd bring it up to the house. The ladies would meet us there. And we'd all stand around the, the truck shucking corn, right? And then, you know, we had people doing different jobs. We had some people that would take uh, the, the, the leaves or whatever you call that on the corn when you shuck it, and they'd take it out and throw it in the field. We'd take it into the, into the kitchen. My sister and I were always in charge of blanching the corn, you know, where you cook it for, like, well, a certain amount of time. And then others, you know, would take the corn out of the pots and put them on tr towels and then take them out to the people that would cut the ears, the kernels of corn off. And then others would put them in... in uh, containers, others would mark the containers, you know, you know, uh, August 2020 or something like that. And then others would take it to the freezer. And it, we'd start about 6 o'clock at night, and we'd go to about 10 o'clock at night. And we'd put up enough corn that would last the entire family, all the branches, for the whole winter. All right? And then my sister, we'd always pick about three dozen extra ears of corn. And when everybody was cleaning up, my sister would cook the corn then we'd sit around at 11 o'clock, we'd sit around the farm table, huge wooden table, like, just like a Norman Rockwell thing. And she just didn't have butter on the table. She would take these Pyrex plates that were like that deep, and, and she'd put a stick of butter in it and microwave it, so you basically had liquid butter. Everybody's saying, we've got to beat the Baptist to the restaurant now, the way he's talking. We'd take the ears of corn and you'd roll them in the liquid butter. And then you'd salt and pepper, whatever you like. And at 11 o'clock at night, we're eating fresh corn. Oh, why did I tell you that? Store up my commands. We ate the corn that night, but not most of it. Because there's nothing better on a February cold freezing night to have either chicken corn soup or something with corn that you put up that spring. I mean, that, that summer. It just tastes so good. We stored it up. So if you accept my words and you store it up, you put it away so that you know where it is, turn your ear toward wisdom. I have a buddy, he's Pastor Chris, he's out in Ohio, the poor guy. Hearing aids don't work for him. And, and uh, it's been this way since he was in his 30s. And if he wanted to hear what you're saying, he would do this. He would lean in a little bit, turn his head. Or he'd go like this. You ever see somebody do that? He would turn his ear because he wanted to catch it. He wanted to hear it <coughs> because he wanted more than just to accept it and to store it up. <coughs> he wanted to turn his ear to the wisdom that you, were, that you were giving. And then it says, apply your heart. So you, you accept it, you hear it, you store it up, you turn your ear to the wisdom. You try to figure out what the smart thing is about what's being said, and then you apply it. You apply your heart to understanding. The writer of Proverbs is saying, if you do that, if, 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 then, okay, if you do those four things, then, verse 7, you'll have victory. He holds victory in store for the upright. He gives you a shield. What is a shield for? It's for protection. Okay, sometimes a shield would be used offensively, but no, a shield was used to protect yourself. <coughs> he guards if you do these things, then, you know, he'll guard you. And I love verse 9. 
because people always say, what do I do? What does God want me to do? Then you will understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path. What's a path for? To walk down. If you accept, if you store up, if you turn your ear, if you apply your heart, then you'll know what path to go down. You'll know what to do. You won't need some divine, mystic experience to know what to do. You'll know what to do. And then you have to make the decision, am I going to do that or not? Verse 11, it says it will give you protection because it will guard you and save you. So if you do these things, and it's not an easy thing to do, but if you do these things, if you accept, if you store up, if you incline your ear, turn your ear, if you apply your heart, then you can count on God doing these things. Do you notice that it's future-centered here? It says, if you do this now, then you'll know what to do. My question is, what is God prepping us for? He's prepping us. What is he prepping me for? Well, let's think about one of the neat stories of the Bible. Let's think about the story of David. <coughs> I, um, but he, Well, both of them now, Isaiah and Eli, Isaiah and Elisha, if you look at my daytimer on Tuesdays, you'll, say, you'll see it says, Dinner with the Prophets. All right? Isaiah's 6 and Eli's 9. Even just yesterday I was with them, and they were telling me how much they love the story of David and Goliath. Because we have these videos in the car, and they said, Put on the one about David and Goliath. Do you know the story of David and Goliath? Do you know that? Let's think about this. Here's this young boy, probably a teenager, and I'll explain why I think that in a minute. <clears throat> but I'm thinking he's junior high age. Scripture doesn't say, but that's me. And he's taking care of his dad's sheep. And his brothers go off to war to fight the Philistines. And his dad is worried about his sons, so he sends David with food and stuff to go see how his son, other sons are doing. And you remember, David shows up. Now, back then, wars were fought different than they are now. You'd get one army here and one army here. So the Philistines are on the hill here. The Israelites are on the hill here. And then they'd come together and fight. And then they'd go back. And if that didn't settle the situation, they'd come together and fight and go back. That's how they fought the wars. So David shows up to see his brothers. And they're all lined up. Now what's been going on is something a little bit different with this battle. There is literally a giant amongst the Philistines. His name was Goliath. Goliath was nine feet, six inches tall. If Goliath walked through that back door, he would have to duck. Picture a basketball rim. It would only be six inches above his head. He could just stand there like this and hold the rim of a, an NBA coach's dream, right? And he was a big guy. Because we know that because of this, it talks about the weapons and the, and the armor that he had. That was huge. He had a guy, one special guy that just carried his shield. It was so big. And every day, Goliath, the two armies would line up, and Goliath would make his way and go down into the valley, and he'd shout up at the Israelites, let's settle this. Send your best guy down. Let's fight, and whoever wins, the other side will be slaves. 
All right? So if Philistines win, the Israelites are slaves, and vice versa. And every day did it, nobody went down. And every day he taunted them. He made fun of their God. He made fun of them. He taunted them. Well, David gets there and he sees this, and David is like offended. Somebody go down there. He's probably, when he heard it, he's probably thinking, oh, this is going to be good. I'm glad I got here today, not realizing it's been happening for days. This is going to be great. I'm going to, nobody went. David got offended. The honor of our God. So David says, I'll go. Now, this is one of those things in Scripture where I don't understand it at all. Here's this little junior high guy, this giant is saying, send your somebody down here to fight me, and that'll settle everything. The junior high guy says, I'll go. And do you know what they all said? Okay. I don't think I want my fate as being a free man or a slave determined by some little junior high guy going to fight this giant who was a professional soldier. Someday when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask some of those guys, what were you thinking? Scripture doesn't say. So you remember the story, they take him to, to King, King Saul was a big guy. King Saul was six foot six. But six foot six does not compare to nine foot six. King Saul didn't want to go down. And so they try to put all of King Saul's armor on him and give him his weapons. It doesn't work. And he goes, no, 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 I'll just go down. <coughs> so you remember, he goes down dressed as a shepherd, and he has a weapon. What was his weapon? Slingshot. You guys know the story. Good. He goes down and he picks up stones. How many stones did he pick up? Okay. He didn't pick up one. He picked up three. We'll talk about that in a minute. And you can just see it. Goliath is there and he's shouting his insults thinking nobody's going to come. And all of a sudden some of the, the people start to spread. They think, oh, they're sending somebody. And out walks this junior high kid. And he walks down. <laughs> and Goliath says, what am I, a dog? You're sending this kid to come fight me? He said, I will break his body and I will feed it to the birds of the air and the animals of the field. This is how I know that David was junior high. Because you know what David said? Nuh-uh. Doesn't that sound so junior high? Nuh-uh. I'm going to feed your body to the birds. I'm going to feed your body to the animals. It sounds so junior high. I know. I'm, I'm inserting stuff there. But that's what I, you know, that's how I picture it. And Goliath gets enraged. And we, the flannel graphs never did justice to this, because you put your flannel graph here, flannel graph here, and then Goliath came at him. Picture, nine foot six, professional soldier. I, I picture he was cut. I mean, I bet he was really built. And he's coming at David. He's angry. Hmm. What's David do? Reaches in his pocket. And he pulls out one of the stones, puts it in a slingshot. Now, this was not the Dennis the Menace slingshot. This was one of those ones, maybe you've seen it. There's a little leather pouch. You put the stone in there, and it's got two straps. And you put it, and you twirl, 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 and you release it at the right time, and the stone goes flying. David reaches in his pocket, pulls out the stone, puts it in there, twirl, 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 and shoots it. And that's why David brought three stones, because I don't believe he shot it and watched. I think he was reloading. I think he was thinking, this is a big dude. I'm going to need all three of my stones. Right? So he's reaching for that, but that stone flies and hits him right in the forehead. And he goes down. And then what does David do? He goes over, takes Goliath's sword, which was and cuts off his head. Oh, my grandsons love this part. And cuts off his head, grabs it by the hair, and holds it up. And I, I really embellish it when I tell it to them because all this stuff was coming out. And they think that is so cool. 
And what did the Philistines do? They took off. Why? Because whoever won the battle would get to enslave the other side. They knew. And so what did all the Israelites do? They took off after them. Some they killed, the rest they captured and made them slaves. What has that got to do with why are we in church today? <laughs> why even go to church? Well, let me ask you some questions about this story of David. Where did he get the slingshot? Did his dad give it to him when he sent him out to take care of the sheep? Did his brothers? Did he see one and said, I'm going to make one of those? And he made one. Right? Who showed him how to use it? Let me tell you, if you gave me one of those things, even though I supposedly know how to use it, I bet the first time I'd do it, I'd forget to tie the one end to my wrist, and the whole thing would go flying about 10 feet that way. Or I'd twirl, 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 and release it, and it'd go straight up, and straight down. Or instead of going there, it would go there. Right? Somebody had to show him how to use it. Well, even though he knew how to use it, how did he get proficient at it? We know that he killed lions and bears. Oh, my. Right? Well, he didn't go after a lion the very first time he pulled out that slingshot. And it wasn't, and there's nothing that indicates it was supernatural talent that God did it. He practiced and practiced. He's out in the field with sheep. I don't know if you guys are farmers. I grew up, I, I worked on a, on a um, cow farm. Cows are stupid. Sheep are even more stupid. Isn't it interesting that scripture calls us sheep? <laughs> but, uh, but sheep are really dumb. So, you know, he's, he has the sheep out there, and what's he going to do? There's, he doesn't have a telephone, no iPad. He's got a slingshot. How many times did that particular tree get plunked with stones? How many times did he hit that rock over there? My grandson, did he ever hit the sheep? I said, no, his, his father probably wouldn't have liked that. But how much time did he spend developing that skill. He didn't start out with the lions and bears. Maybe it was out of necessity, but I think it was out of boredom. And you know what? I'm sure he wasn't thinking about a giant. Even though he was a young boy out in the field practicing with his slingshot, he didn't know anything about Goliath. And yet Goliath was alive, right? Because Goliath was older than him. Goliath was probably in some military training, involved in military battles, getting his skills proficient. And David's out there plunking trees. He didn't know there was a giant coming. Goliath was alive when David was practicing. But God was prepping him. God was getting him to store up a skill. He was gaining an understanding of what a sling and a rock could do. Do you notice he, when he went to the stream, he didn't pick up three stones. He picked up three smooth stones. He learned the aerodynamics of a rock. He knew that that would fly truer and straighter than just any old stone. You know that. When you go down to the river and you skip stones, you know there's certain ones that you don't pick a round one because it's plunk. You pick a flat one because it'll skim. Well, he knew the aerodynamics of rocks from all the times through trial and error that he did it. A giant was coming even though he didn't know it. Even though he didn't know it. Now, it's amazing to me 
The people get themselves in situations and they don't know what God wants them to do. We have so many resources. But usually people don't look at those resources until they're in the heat of the moment. And that's when they start to search. They'll, they'll search for counselors. They'll search the internet. And if you find it on the internet, you're good to go because there's nothing that's a lie on the internet. They wouldn't be allowed to post it on the internet if it was a lie, right? You all better be smiling and not, no. You can go to the Bible. You know, but the Bible can be hard. You know, you pick it up and you just open it. There was a guy one time, he picked up the Bible and he didn't know what to do about a situation. So he opened it and went like this. And he looked at the verse and he said, and he went out and hanged himself. Well, that can't be right. So he closed his Bible, opened it again, went to another passage, looked at it and said, go thou and do likewise. That's not how you study the Bible. That's not how you find out what the Bible wants you to do. Okay? And there's a danger. There's an awful lot of false teachers out there. There's some very good counselors, but there's others that are just in it for the money or the power or whatever the reason. And they're not good. When you're in the heat of the moment, that's not the best time to be looking for direction. I have a son that's, oh, he's 33 now. But when he was in the Army, I remember he, call, he couldn't call me from basic training, but he called me from AIT, Advanced Infantry Training. I remember one time he called me, he goes, Dad, we shot the 50 caliber today. He goes, it was so cool. If you don't know what that, that's a big machine gun. That's the big machine gun. And he thought that was so neat. And I said, Jonathan, they're teaching you that now. And yeah, it might be cool, but they're teaching you that because someday there could be somebody downrange shooting back at you. Pay attention to what they're teaching. Don't focus on the cool. Focus on how does this thing work? And what do I do if it jams? Because that's the time to learn. You don't want to be in the middle of the battle and say, okay, I'll pull this back. I'll push this button. No, that's not when you want to be learning. You want to know it before you go into battle. It's no time to get proficient when you're in the heat of the moment. Now, will God deliver you in the heat of the moment? Yeah, but you'll do much better if you prep and allow him to prep you. See where we're going yet? Okay. What are you going to do with this information? I put on this, so what? By the way, that comes directly from my boys because when they were young, whenever I would teach them anything, they'd say, so what? And then I have to share with them why it's important for them to know what I'm teaching them. Four quick things and we'll be done. Oh, good. I don't have anything more to do to on my paper. Number one, if David knew a giant was coming, would he practice just once a week? If he knew that Goliath existed and he would be facing Goliath in that valley, would he just have picked up his slingshot once a week and worked on it? I don't think so. I wouldn't. How about you in church once a week? Number two, do you only store up information on Sundays? How do you attend church? Well, I know you're all here, and I don't see anybody nodding off. That's really good. I don't see anybody looking to heaven counting the light bulbs. That's good. You seem to be with me. I like that. But how do you listen? Do you just listen? I remember when I was in, was in college, I broke my wrist. And it was so cool. Because I didn't have to take notes in any of the classes. They said, who do you want to take notes for you? And I'd say, that girl. Because first of all, girls always took neater notes. Plus, she paid attention all the time. 
So my notes would be really complete, so I picked her. And so they would take her notes and they'd make copies and give them to me. And so I just sat in class. It was great. It was my worst semester ever. I didn't get it. When you're listening and writing it down, you actually do remember it better. So do you just listen? Do you take notes? Do you, oh, do you ever discuss the sermon after you leave this building? Well, that's a radical idea. But that's, if you write it down, if you hear it, you write it down, and then you talk about it, you will remember it better. That's just lessons in learning that any teacher will tell you. What would you do differently if you knew a giant was coming? When you're at church, what would you do differently? Would you be here more than, you know, just once a week? If there's other opportunities, would you just be here once a month? When you come, do you listen? I make fun of the Baptists. I, I are one. <laughs> All right? I'm an ordained Baptist minister. I was a back row Baptist. I didn't know you could sit up front. You know, I was, people in the back are squirming a little bit because I'm talking about that. I, but you know what, when I go to churches, I like sitting in the back because I like watching everybody. You can see what everybody else is doing. You can see whose head is doing the nods, you know. You can see who's getting the elbow from their wife, that sort of thing. But how would you do it differently if you knew a giant was coming? Number th- okay, number one, you, if you knew a giant was coming, would you do it once a week? How do you go to church? How do you listen? Number three, you need to practice every day. Church is a wonderful start. It's a very good start. But you need to be practicing with that slingshot every day. I've tried that. I've tried devotions. I I can't keep doing that. I don't know what to do. I pick parts of the Bible. I have no clue what they're saying. So-and-so begat so-and-so who begat so-and-so, or the measurements of the temple curtains or this and this. and What do you do? Let me give you a couple real practical things. If you're looking for something to do every day, do the proverb of the day. The book of Proverbs. We're in it right now, chapter 2. How many chapters are in Proverbs? 31. Very good. Every month of the year has 28 days. Some have 30, some have 31. Whatever the day of the, of the month it is, read that proverb. It might take you 15, 20 minutes. Okay? So tomorrow's pro, uh, is, tomorrow is the 16th, right? No. Yeah, today's the 15th. So tomorrow's the 16th, so you read Proverbs 16. And you know what's really cool about Proverbs? You know, sometimes if you don't read, uh, parts of the Bible are like math. If you don't learn it today, when you go to read the next thing, it doesn't make sense. Proverbs isn't like that. You can read Proverbs 15 today and skip three days and go to Proverbs 18, and Proverbs 18 will make sense because they're not dependent on previous chapters. Now, you don't want to miss, but if you do miss, you don't have to go back. Do you ever do the read through the Bible in a year and you get behind and you try to catch up? Well, that doesn't work, right? Especially if you're in one of those sections that are just begat, 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 all right? Pick the proverb of the day. And it'll be amazing. I guarantee you, you'll say, is that where that is? I knew that verse, but I didn't know that's where it was. And just read the proverb of the day. And what I always do is I don't, I don't say, look for a particular thing. I just see whatever the Lord brings up to me. What hits me that day as I read it? Okay, how about read a short book of the Bible every day for a month? I remember, I guess it was three summers ago, I thought, Habakkuk. 
I can't remember the last time I read the book of Habakkuk. It was probably back in Bible college. You know, some of you are thinking, is he kidding? Is there really a book called Habakkuk? Yeah, there is. And so for one summer, for one month in the summer, I read the book of Habakkuk. Every, it's a really short book. And there are a bunch of them that are really, really short. Uh, the book of Third John, okay? The book of Jude. Jude only has one chapter, all right? But read, I read Habakkuk. And you know what it was about? It was about this believer. We can't call him a Christian. It was before Christ came. But he was a believer, and he was so upset with his culture, and he prayed to God, God, my culture, my country is so messed up. Do something. Hey, doesn't that sound familiar? And God said, okay. And he sent in the barbarians to overrun them, kill them, and take them off into captivity. And he's like, no, 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 not that. <laughs> I meant do something, but don't do that. That's a little drastic. <coughs> Sounds kind of familiar. <clears throat> but again, there's verses in the book of Habakkuk where I said, oh, yeah, I remember that verse. Never knew it was in Habakkuk. Read a short book of the Bible. How about read a trusted commentary? Now, there are a lot of commentaries out there that you've got to be careful on what they say. But if it's one that you trust, if it's a speaker who wrote it that you trust, or maybe your pastor told you about, that's fun. James Boyce. Now, again, I'm Mr. Baptist, and James Boyce is a Presbyterian. I had a friend one time who's a pastor of a Presbyterian church here in the area, and jokingly, he said, what do you guys do at your church picnic? Do you have a dunk tank? <laughs> and I said, yeah, we do. I said, what do you guys do, run through the sprinkler? <laughs> you know, if you understand the differences in baptism, you'll understand that. But anyway, um, James Boyce, Presbyterian, excellent. He's in heaven now. I remember I took his, his uh, commentary on the book of Psalms, and I just read it like a commentary. I mean, just like a, a devotional book. It was excellent. Do that. We are very fortunate. Do you realize how many good Christian radio stations are within this listening area? I'm not being an advertisement for any of them, but I don't care if you like the old hymns, if you like the new choruses, you can find good Christian music. And now that we have more than radio stations, I mean, the, the technology, you can listen to a station from San Diego if you want. You can find good Christian music that is really espousing the word of God. I'm in my car. I am in the Bible every day, whether, and I try to read it every day, but if I'm not able to read it, I'm at least listening to it through music or even through speakers. Tony Evans comes on at uh, 9 o'clock uh, every, every uh, weekday on WD, not DAC, uh, WPFG, and, some, and, and most days I listen to him twice because he comes again, on again at 11.30. I like him. I like him a lot. Um, but anyway... Listen to the Christian. And here's one. Now, if you talk to Pastor Chris about this, make sure she's sitting down first. Ask her if she has any books that she would recommend. <laughs> she's not used to people asking that kind of question. All right? But ask her, what would you recommend? And, and you watch. Oh, better allow 15, 20 minutes, because I bet she'll talk your ear off and say, oh, try, I read this. This was so good. Okay? But you got to do it every day. David could not go up against Goliath if he didn't practice. And did he get anything out of it? Did he have, did he have days where he said, I hit everything I aimed at? No. Sometimes you go to church and think, I didn't get anything out of that. Hopefully not today, but maybe. But you always get something. Whether you know it or not, you, you're learning. You're learning how that stone is going to fly. You're learning, learning how hard to, to twist. You're learning, maybe I should tie one end of that cord to my wrist so when I let go I'm only letting go one end of it but you're learning 
and it'll come to fruition. When David had that giant coming down at him, angry, enraged, he didn't say, okay, I need to take this stone and put it here. Okay, I got that. Then I need to take this stone. No, he just reached in his pocket without even looking, put it in the spot, started twirling, and he didn't say, oh, when do I release it? He knew right when to release it. It just did it. Now, people say, oh, well, God was involved. Yeah, God was, but he, God was involved way before, teaching him how to do it. So you need to do it every day. And what you do in private, in front of the dumb sheep, what you do in private prepares you for what you do in public. He was in front of the whole nation of Israel. But he prepared in front of the dumb sheep. When you're by yourself, that's what counts so that when you do get in public, it works. Fourth and final, everything we just said about being in God's word also applies to the whole discipline of prayer. But we don't have time today to look at that. But it can be applied. I want to tell you, I look around, I see the age of the people in here. You guys know. You know there's giants out there. Some of you may be facing a giant right now. And if maybe you have just finished facing a giant. If neither of those should, guess what? I'm telling you right now, there's one coming. Because that's just life on a fallen earth. You're either fighting a giant, you just finish fighting a giant, or one's coming. Do the prep work. Why even go to church? Because there's giants out there. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for your word. We don't understand everything in it. Well, that proves to me that it is your word. If we understood everything, then we'd know that man wrote it. But Father, this is your word, and I thank you for providing it. And I pray that you would help each person in this room to become more and more proficient. Because Father, we know that we are sin-cursed people living in a sin-cursed world surrounded by sin-cursed people. And that if we're not facing down a giant right now, Father, there will be one soon. And we know that your word is wisdom. We know that if we do this, if we do this, if we do this, then you will do that, that, and that. And Father, part of that is protection and success. So we ask that you just help us use your word. I believe that's your will. So I pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. for that message and those reminders for us of why we even come to church. Table Life Church is a church that um, from a um, few years back now has centered its life around the table. And as I was thinking about the question, uh, why even go to church if we were preparing to come to the table, the thought crossed my mind is that a reason